Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. Good morning. Uh, today we will wrap up our series in the book of Colossians. Um, when you go to a restaurant, they offer you appetizers before your dinner, and then they offer you dessert uh, at the end of your dinner. Uh, this isn't a restaurant, all right? So t- today's passage doesn't offer us a, a warm-up lap or, or even any cool-down stretching. Um, today's passage is like uh, Luke and I's favorite and only dining establishment back in Tyro, Kansas, the Sandy's original store. Uh, Sandy offered the best burger and curly fries within oh, a six-mile radius. <laughs> Sandy's menu had options. You could get the cheeseburger without cheese. Uh, but that was the end of the options. Uh, she had mustard um, and or ketchup. Uh, if you came here today or you're listening and, and looking to expand your theological knowledge, uh, sorry, uh, Paul's words here in Colossians uh, are, are much like Sandy's daily special. Um, they're, they're more than you can eat in one setting and uh, guaranteed to do some serious damage to your heart. <laughs> that, that's the truth. So uh, in, in saying that, let's get, let's get rolling into Colossians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the to God the Father through him. Paul cuts right to the chase. He says, since as members of one body. So who is Paul talking to with all of this right here? Well, he's, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, then Paul's talking to you. And so what he's, what he's outlined uh, are the daily living guidelines. These are expected of all believers. Okay, so let's run through them. There are, there are seven that he lists r- right out of the gate. The peace of Christ must dwell in you. This, this idea right here, is, it comes from the word umpire. So you let the peace of Christ call the balls and strikes in your life. Let the peace of Christ be your moral umpire. Okay, next part, be thankful. This is the word graceful. Okay, so always be graceful. Be thankful. Look at other people with mercy and grace um, uh, in your eyes, in your words, in your actions. Uh, Third one, read, know, follow the word of God. Let it uh, dwell in you richly, okay? This means that we make God's word feel at home inside of us. Okay, fourth one, teach and admonish others with all wisdom. This 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 is great here because this means that we are to wisely teach and warn others. Now, here's the thing. This was not an option. This was not an option. If we call ourselves a follower of Christ, then there is responsibility on our end to teach and admonish others. That means that we wisely teach them and we wisely warn them. That's what we do. We do that in, in, in everything that we do, with our actions, with our words, in our homes, in our jobs, um, in our friendships. Number five, sing songs of gratitude to God. This one's, this one's kind of a strange deal. Uh, sing songs about God's goodness in your life. Uh, when we gather together in church, 
that's one of the things that we do. We always we always sing a few songs, and and we speak to we speak to God from our heart about the goodness that He has done in our life. Number six, whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. In your words and in your jobs, do it for the fame of Jesus. It is for His reputation. It'd be so easy to look at crappy situations in our life and to say, well, I'm only doing this because I get a paycheck, or I'm only doing this because it provides for my family, or I'm only doing this because uh, you know I want to I want to look good in front of other people. Paul's words are this: You do everything that you do for the fame of Jesus Christ. Okay, verse seven or the uh, the number seven, uh, last one: Give thanks to God through Jesus. Acknowledge God because of Jesus. Paul says you should acknowledge God because of Jesus. God gave you the greatest gift ever, and that was the sending of His Son for the salvation of the world. Okay, so um, if you're in a place like right, right now to where you're thinking, I want to grow spiritually, but but I don't really know where to begin. I want to move forward in my relationship with God, but it's just Christianity can seem so big sometimes. Um, where, where do I begin? Let me, let me tell you where to begin. Memorize Colossians 3. 15 through 17. If you memorize these words, they will permeate your heart and your mind. A promise that you'll grow in your relationship with God. You'll grow in your clarity of, of life's direction for yourself. Um, we, could spend, we could spend weeks working on all the intricacies of all these words that Paul outlined right here, just these, little, these seven little points right here. Um, but, but I think these can be uh, better suited and best understood uh, when they are worked out inside of like a personal devotion. So if you want to spend, uh, you want to spend the next month or so uh, mashing through those just on an individual, on an individual basis, uh, I think you would, I think you would find that that would, that would serve you well. Uh, Paul does us a great favor in this next portion of scripture, a great favor. He takes all of his theological depth and he breaks it down into practical steps. I appreciate this so much, <clears throat> excuse me, because I'm not a, I'm not a practical, I'm not a practical thinker. You know, I think in, in ideas and abstracts and stories, but I don't think of things in like principles or steps. Step one, step two, step three, step four. Paul goes to the to the work of, of outlining this next passage. And so he takes tons of theology and he packs it into practical steps. This is this is pretty this is pretty cool stuff. All right, so we're gonna start in Colossians three, verse eighteen. Wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. So, right out of the gates, he's coming at the wives. Wives, future wives, uh, singles, single ladies, um, young girls who will someday be wives. Let's talk about a few common responses to a verse like this. Oftentimes when you hear the phrase, wives submit to your husbands, it is almost always followed by this barrage of, of uh, responses and, and reactions uh, to this. So, let's talk about Number one, uh, woman number one, her response to this verse, when they hear, be submissive. Woman number one says this, maybe this is you, define the word submit. Okay, well, let's define it. The word means to place under, to be subject to, to be obedient to. I can only assume that the definition takes all wives who said define it and now places them in a completely different category okay so 
we're away from define submit. Now we are either okay, I'm okay with that, or we are now <laughs> we are now to the place of like, heck no, ain't happening. Okay, so now we're down to three. So woman number two, woman number two's response is this: This verse emerged from a male dominant culture, so it's no longer relevant. Um, I do appreciate I do appreciate the the idea that there are some things that culturally have changed. That's true. Here's the problem when we take something like that and we begin to interpret scripture. We take an idea like that and we begin to interpret scripture with that same format. Um, the knowledge of your salvation came from the same time period as well. If we use if we use that idea to throw this out, women do, women do not have to be submissive to their husbands now, um, as it's fitting in the Lord. They don't have to because that came from a bad time period. Well, what happens to salvation if we do the same thing? What happens to the whole message of Jesus Christ when he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life? Somebody could easily step in and say, yeah, well, that was back then. Now I can do it this way. And we begin to lose a whole lot of ground. And Christianity has come, you know, miles and miles and miles. It has lasted centuries. It has lasted, you know, thousands of years. And how did it do it? It, it did it because we didn't try to interpret scripture based on cultural changes. There's some things that um, that culturally will be different. Uh, we'll see some of that in, in further on down in this text, but we have to be careful doing that. Um, to throw it out based on that method alone creates more problems than it actually fixes. So in addition to being guilty of inconsistent methods of interpretation of logic, a passage like this has the ability to expose the heart of a woman in a variety of ways. So there's a reason that a lot of women respond to this text in a knee-jerk way. And part of that has to do with this. Our past hurts cause us to uh, have a knee-jerk reaction to passages like this. Uh, sometimes it is a rebellious spirit. It is this idea that I don't have to, you know, because you're daddy's little princess, <laughs> whatever it is. The third one is this, a warped view of God or, or a lack of trust. Anytime you have a sudden knee-jerk reaction to a passage that you don't agree with, we have to ask ourselves why. Speaking of knee-jerk reactions, let's address woman number three, who just simply looks at the passage about being submissive and says, no. Well, this, that one goes into, you know, the other category of knee-jerk reactions. So now we're down to one response. One, one decent response. And that's this one. Woman number four, her response to this is this. If he would lead, then I would submit and follow. That's, uh, that's, that's a pretty good point. It's a pretty good point. This isn't the only passage that deals uh, with such a command to women. Ephesians 5.22 says this. Wives, submit, to your submit, to, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 14.34 says this, Women should be silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. Why would the scripture that, why would the scriptures that are so devoted um, to topics like sacrifice, love, and caring for one another seem to speak so poignantly to women and, 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 seem, and seemingly even against women when we read through passages like this? Well, let, let's see if we can let's see if we can break some of this down. Jesus talked about a variety of things in his ministry, but nothing was more central to the message of Jesus Christ 
than his teaching of king of the kingdom of heaven. He talked about money and sin and hell. Um, he never he 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 never avoided uh, too too many topics. But one of the things he talked most about the central the central message of Jesus Christ was the kingdom of heaven. We can see a uh, we can see a snapshot of that in the Lord's Prayer uh, out of Matthew six. Then this is how you should pray: Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Much to the disappointment of many, the kingdom of heaven is not a democracy. It's a kingdom. It has a king. The whole system is built on the idea of submitting to the king, subjecting ourselves to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Kingdom, kings, rulers, reign, authority, subjection were common ideas. But here's what the kingdom of heaven here's how the kingdom of heaven is different. If your answer or if your response is, if he will lead, then I will submit and follow. What you're suggesting is this. In the kingdom of heaven, the king stepped down from all of his glory and became like the servant. So, so here's the response. Here's why this response happens. I will, I will submit and follow my husband if he will lead. And so here's what we have to understand about the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven, Jesus did not sit in the recliner and drink beer all day. You with me? Jesus did not leave the dishes and the laundry and everything else for his wife to do. He did not leave the discipline for his wife to do. Of course, we know Jesus didn't have a wife. The point is this. In the kingdom of heaven, the king stepped down from all of his glory and he became like a servant. Jesus himself said, The Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. In the kingdom of heaven, the king fought battles that were not his to fight, but he fought them for us. In the kingdom of heaven, the king never strong-armed his lordship over anybody. In the kingdom of heaven, the king empowered, strengthened, protected, encouraged, and loved every person in his kingdom. There isn't one God-fearing woman in the world that would ever have a problem submitting to their husband if he ruled in the way that Jesus did. Ladies, if you're in a marriage where your husband will not spiritually lead the home, there's going to be a temptation. There's a temptation. The temptation is to um, step into that office and lead yourself. Well, if he's not going to do it, then I'll do it. And let me let me offer you let me offer you a, uh, maybe a, a better biblical approach uh, to your situation. First Peter talks about this. First uh, Peter three one, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. So that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and the reverence of your lives. See, the beauty of this passage here is this, is that if you can step out of the way and you can follow Christ, Christ can convert your husband. But you have to do this with the purity and the reverence of your life, not with words. You could nag your husband all day long. We got to go to church. We got to go to church. You got to be a better dad. You got to be a better protector. You got to be a better. You got to be a better person. In the end, First uh, Peter tells us this: Live your life and follow Christ to the best of your ability, in purity and in reverence. And what will happen is, if you step out of that role and you say, "Okay, I'm not going to do that. That's not a role that I can that I can I can fill. That's not something that God's asked me to do. He's asked me to step over here to the side and to live." 
Jesus Christ will make your husband submit to him, thus creating a spiritual leader. Final word on, on submissiveness. Husbands, if your wife finds it difficult to let you spiritually lead the home, then you have to ask yourself if you're modeling submissiveness in your relationship with God. Let me say that one more time. Husbands, if your wife finds it difficult to let you spiritually lead your home, then you must ask yourself if you are modeling submissiveness in your relationship with God. This is a kingdom. It's all built on this idea that Jesus is, is, is at the top, that he is the king, and everything trickles down from there. We are all submissive. Jesus was submissive to his father. We are submissive to Jesus. Wives are submissive to us. Our children are submissive um, to the parents. It, it works all the way down the system. And for the ultimate joy of every single person, Husbands, if your wife sees that you are submitted to God's word, she can better understand her role inside the home and inside uh, uh, her marriage. Husbands, we set the tone. We exemplify the nature of the kingdom of heaven in our submissiveness to the king. This is not just a one-way street. This is a, this is a two-way street. We submit to Jesus. When we do that, our wives will not struggle submitting to us. Colossians 3.19 Next one, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Uh, men, let's talk about this for just one second. The, the command to love your wife is not a command to always have affectionate feelings toward her. The command to love your wife is not a command to always understand her. The command to love your wife is not a command to do what she says. The command to love your wife is to esteem her, to take pleasure in her, and to long for her. This is what this word means. This love your wife, this agape. To esteem her, to take pleasure in her, to long for her. There's a second part. And do not be harsh with them. The word is embitter. Nicest woman I've, I've probably ever known. Sweetest lady that, that I ever knew uh, as I was growing up. Uh, she was married. And, and, and even as a kid, we would, um, I would look at this lady and I would think, well, someday when I get married, I want to I wanna marry somebody like her. She was always kind, always laughing, always hugging. She was a, she was a great spiritual woman. She was so sweet, a great mother. Um, her husband, on the other hand, was cruel, absolutely cruel. After 30 years of marriage uh, to this man, uh, he stole the light right out of her. She became embittered. She went on a short trip, and she never came back. Done. Bitter. Another remark that I heard uh, not too long ago was this, talking about why in the world his wife would act the way she's acting. And he said to me, I don't know why. I've never hit her, and I've never told her no. Oh, terrible. Like the understanding for this guy was that since he never hit his wife, and he never told her no, that she should stay. Poor understanding, ridiculous understanding. Um... Of, of what marriage is supposed to look like. It absolutely breaks my heart when I hear stuff like that. Uh, Minji was not put in your life to be treated like one of the guys. You need somebody to, you need somebody to dog on, you get some friends. You need somebody to badmouth and criticize, you get some friends. But a wife was not there. A wife was not put in our life for that. Um, she was not put in your life to be walked on or to, take, or, or to be taken advantage of. Loving your wife may mean having to take a break from the caveman dialect and actually say something to them from time to time, like, I love you. 
Not because you need to say that, because she may need to hear it. First Peter three seven um, is a smashing, a smashing reality uh, for husbands. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Okay, let's talk about this. Husbands, do you have prayers? Dads, do you have prayers for your children? Do you have prayers about your work? Do you have prayers about your life? Do you have prayers about your temptations, the temptations that are in your life? Do you have prayers that, that you offer up on behalf of the sick? or for other people, other friends. Somehow, Scripture is suggesting that when we treat our wives with disrespect, when we're not considerate with them, when we're not gentle with them, when we don't honor them as, as the heirs of this gracious gift of life, when we don't do that for them, there's a ceiling on our prayers that they only go so far. So for us, there's this, there's this understanding, for husbands, there's this understanding that we have to love them. We have to care for them. We have to be gentle with them. One last word. Um, if you are in a marriage right now and either one of you are finding it very difficult to gain any ground in your relationship, um, stop keeping each other's secrets. Stop enabling each other. The first thing that needs to have, somebody needs to tattle and somebody needs to tattle quick. Go talk to somebody. Outside your family, um, go don't don't. I wouldn't I wouldn't go talk to your mom. I wouldn't go talk to your to your dad. I wouldn't go talk to you. Uh, go talk to somebody outside of your family. Uh, Jared, why outside the family? Because chances are, um, your family's probably part of the reason you're screwed up. So um, maybe maybe pick somebody different. I'm not saying that's 100 true. I'm just saying possibility. All right. So find some help. Go get some help. It's oh, it, there's people out there who can hear that stuff. And who you can just you can just dime them out. You can talk about every single thing that's wrong with them, and you get a chance to put it back together. But but there's no sense in, in not looking not looking for help. Um, Colossians three twenty. Uh, we move from wives to husbands to children. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Uh, the training ground where children learn to trust God, and to love God, to respect God, to know God is in the home with their parents. There's four ways that uh, children learn to love obedience. And I know what you're thinking. Love love obedience? There's no child that loves obedience. I don't think that's true. I think I think what's I think what happens is is we offer them a faulty a faulty uh, method of understanding. It just comes down to this do what I say just do it. Just do what I say. And there's not a lot of other supporting uh, agents around that help um, reassure the child. Okay, so here's the four ways that children learn to love obedience. Okay, this begins right back up at the top. Moms, set an example of submissiveness in your relationship with your husband. You set the example of submissiveness in your relationship to your husband. Okay, next. Dads, love their mom and don't be harsh with her. You're going to open up a door for your kids to begin to understand that obedience is safe, that submiss sub sorry, submissiveness is safe. Like, there is safety in being submissive to somebody. There's safety in that. And so the kids can learn that if the dads are, are modeling this the right way. Number three, 
uh, dads, this one comes on you again. Verse 21, fathers, do not embitter your children. Okay, this is a dad thing, all right? This is this is just a dad thing. I do it. My dad did it. Everybody's dad did it. See, I see men do it all the time. We constantly tease and jab our children, constantly. I don't know if it's because we, we don't know really how to interact on a... On a um, on an emotional level, or we don't know how to be sensitive, or we're 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 too prideful to to get down on a knee and 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 kind of look weak. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but when we poke and prod and provoke our children, we are sending an early message to them that they do not deserve respect. Paul says, "If we do not," Paul says, "If the fathers embitter their children, they will become discouraged." The word here is lose heart. They'll become despondent or disheartened. It's so easy to do. Dads, stop calling your boy a sissy or a crybaby. Here's what, here's what happens. We uproot his ability to love his future wife because we are teaching him how to be harsh. Boys don't need that. By constantly calling a boy a crybaby or a sissy, we're teaching him how to be harsh in the future. Here's another one. Dads, don't call your little girls drama queens. And don't let her have her way all the time. These things teach little girls that she does that, that they don't have to submit, that they don't have to submit to a godly a godly husband. We husbands, uh, dads, we're the ones that instill a rebellious spirit inside of little girls. We have to be the protector. We have to be there for them on an emotional level as well. We cannot just um, be condescending with them all the time. Okay, fourth one, uh, fourth way that uh, children learn to love obedience: discipline your children with firm consistency and grace. Here's the beauty of little kids. If you discipline them with firm consistency, when they make a mistake, and then you take the time to hug them and explain to them that you're not mad at them, they will love you. Watch this. I, this happens This happens all the time. You, you can see this. A little kid will get sassy, will get, will get mouthy, will do something wrong, will be ugly, will be mean, and a mom will reach over and she'll swat him on the back end and that little boy, the first thing he wants to do is what? Run away? No. He wants to hug his mommy and he wants to hold her and he wants to know that it's okay. Dads, same thing with us. Children thrive in an environment where their parents set the tone with their actions and their words. Colossians 3, 22 through 25. Um, let's, take a, uh, let's take a read of that one. Uh, verse 22, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Okay, we don't live in a culture where there are uh, slaves and masters um, like back then. But but something that but something that kind of translates well for us is bosses uh, and employees. Okay, so masters, bosses, slaves, employees. So uh, the fourth thing we want to talk about is slaves and employees. Obey your bosses and everything, not only when they're watching. Obey them with sincere hearts and reverence for Jesus Christ. Because they are there because of Jesus Christ. Your bosses are there because of Jesus Christ. Work with all your heart as if working for the Lord. Because if so, Jesus will reward you. There's a promise 
there's a promise in this that if as employees as people subjected to a boss subjected to a master when we honor our master jesus honors us because we are actually working for him honoring your boss is showing respect for jesus christ this becomes our christian witness this is kingdom talk there's a trickle down of power from the very top and we are in a place to where we honor that boss because jesus christ has put them there in our life okay as slaves or as employees uh, colossians 4 verse 1 masters provide for your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven now this is a beautiful passage because this is the way it's set up treat everybody with fairness and, and uh, equality because that's the way you would want to be treated by your master if you're a boss in your job then you provide what is right and fair these are two great words right is the word just in the eyes of god okay provide your employees provide the people who work under you provide them what is just in the eyes of god that's a that's a we know how god feels about hard work we know how God feels about charity. We know how God feels about just um, handing something out to somebody. If a man doesn't work, then a man doesn't eat. We know that God has a really strong scale on that. And so we can trust this. The next word is fair. Give them what is fair. This speaks to the equality or the proportional fairness. If you're a boss, a leader, a supervisor, then you provide employees with the same respect, grace, and payment that is both fair in God's eyes and equal to the job that they are doing why is this because you too have a master in heaven and i would want to be dealt with on those terms by god as well paul's practical teaching here is followed uh, if followed explains the whole kingdom of heaven and the way it works you see our life as christians when we model this for the rest of the world this opens up the eyes of the rest of the world to let them know this is what the kingdom the kingdom of heaven looks like finally verse 2 says this uh, chapter 4 verse 2 devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful our ultimate goal is to model the workings of the next world for others to show them that it is appealing it is safe that the next kingdom grants dignity and respect to all people uh, that wraps up that wraps up there's a, there's a lot more in Colossians we could we could dive into but that wraps up what we want to uh, what we want to cover in Colossians um, we're going to jump into some narrative into some stories we're going to get right in there and follow Jesus and be be in the in the in the midst of all the things that he did while while in his ministry we're gonna we're gonna walk through some of those for the next uh, for the next uh, month or so so looking forward to that thank you so much for um, for uh, tuning in for listening to this. Appreciate it. Love you. Talk to you later.